Hey there, welcome to another episode of End Times Podcast, and you can get these every Wednesday. So what you do is, we upload them at 9, but I'm not sure if that's East Coast time or West Coast time. So to make sure you're going to get it, go to your favorite podcast app, there's a billion of them, and if you have an iPhone, there's one that just says podcast, it's a little purple button, but you might have it on whatever device you have. And subscribe. Now, there's other end times podcasts, but they're not about survival and the apocalypse. They're about more in, let's say, the religious uh, interpretation of the apocalypse and not quite the um, literal interpretation of the apocalypse. So my my podcast has a little, um, it has a black and white photo of a nuclear explosion and um, on like some bikini atoll or wherever they dropped uh, bombs to test them out, and um, and then there's some red lettering that says End Times Podcast. So look for that one and click subscribe. And if you're having any trouble, just go to endtimespodcast.com, or you can email us at endtimes at campusxm.com. So there's all that info. We're also on Facebook. You can go to facebook.com slash endtimesradio. I couldn't get End Times Podcast, so End Times Radio on Facebook. So you have a lot of different ways you can get this on a regular basis. Um, downloads have been going up, so I'm happy about that. And I think the consistent nature of this podcast has been helping its success. We upload it every Wednesday at the same time and try to keep the same length to it and the same features and uh, people are creatures of habit so that's what works. I guess you could technically download the mp3s of these and save them and if they're really you know if and when there really is uh, an end times you could re-listen and say yeah that guy was right you know he's now uh, we don't know where he is but he's right you know hopefully he's uh, he's surviving so that is it. So End Times Podcast. Um, I saw the movie on Hulu, and science fiction and fiction and even nonfiction can be, can be helpful. It help us to visualize scenarios and... And, you know, some of the people, like many people predicted the, the COVID pandemic. There, was, there were movies like Contagion and World War Z, kind of, a little bit, how diseases are spread and such. And they, um, you know, they, they, were, they predicted it a little bit. Now, were they predicting it or were these harbingers? Were, um, 
entertainment's a form of mass media, and maybe this was a way to tell you, hey, you better be prepared for this. And uh, just like science fiction prepared us for the space race, and uh, it's a way to get the masses to understand something that could happen based on probability. So I was watching Hulu, and they had on uh, their award-nominated um, Nomadland. It's, it's a fictional movie based on a nonfiction book, um, and it is, it's well put together. It's shot in a documentary format. And it feels like a documentary, um, but it stars Frances McDormand, who's from Fargo, the cop, the pregnant police officer from Fargo. Okay, so Nomadland, not an apocalyptic movie per se, but there were a lot of ideas in there, and it helped us picture what being in a free-range scenario might be like. You know, if cities fall and there's some kind of mass catastrophe what it might be like being on the road and, you know, having to crap in a bucket and what buckets work. They throw a few little nuggets in there, too, about, like, what buckets work best for for um, doing your thing in, you know, and, and, like, little survival things, how to winterize your van. And so it got me thinking, you know, and it's too bad that... Um, it's too bad that we have politicized uh, politicized everything in this world because really if you're going to if you're going to survive in some new new world order you're gonna to have to throw out the ideologies that you've been indoctrinated with they there's been thousands of ideologies in the history of mankind right now it seems like in America there are two primary, ideologies and they're they're known as left and right and then with these you know how they indoctrinate you they give you a set of beliefs and, and like the cub scouts you're supposed to honor and wear your weeblow badge and honor your whatever your father and your mother and do the pinewood derby you know they, you get indoctrinated into a belief system so if you're in one belief system you're supposed to believe that um you know you're almost supposed to throw away any intelligence you might have and uh, and be like this this bull in a in a china shop, and uh, and yeah, we need you know the biggest truck available. I'm gonna spend sixty grand. You know, if you're in that party, that's that's what you're going to get. And if you're in the other party, you're supposed to be like, oh, I'm just gonna get a Prius and save the world. And you know, and and then you know, and this philosophy filters down into how you might be treating uh, some kind of end time scenario with um, thinking, you know, within the paradigm of, of your, your group think. So, for example, I brought up one of the more popular podcasts I've done is the Terminator scenario. A lot of people can't wrap their heads around, hey, we might get taken over by computers and algorithms and AI. Um, that, you know, is probably more likely to happen than other kinds of apocalypses where you just have to be this brute force and, uh, and have a big shotgun and the biggest truck available. You know, it's, 
but you know, if you subscribe to one camp, you're supposed to be anti-intellectual, and you're supposed to say, eh, "Computers, who needs them?" You know. But in reality, it might be good to kind of understand how computers work, and um, and to have a more open mind. So it's too bad that everything gets politicized, and um, even survival gets politicized, like with what kind of weapons you need and, and what kind of, um, of uh, living situation you need. Watching No Man Land, I wanted to get into what kind of vehicle you might need in a, um, in, in, you know, an end time scenario. Uh, what kind of vehicle works best? And so I came up with a little list. But first I want to dismiss some kinds of vehicles. Um, and whatever vehicle you have, I'd like to add, I think you should get a, uh, a kill switch. Because you could get that vehicle taken from you. And, you know, there could be... Now, a lot of these apocalyptic movies, they just show, like, someone comes up to someone and kills them and takes their stuff. And, you know, that that's how these movies kind of operate. It's a very simple way to look at the world. But in reality, 99.9% .9 of carjackings don't result in the death of the person who has their car taken. People don't want to kill, unless they're a psycho, they don't want to kill someone over a car. They just want they just want the car. So you could have a kill switch installed that the car seemingly runs out of gas after a mile. So all you'd have to do is say, hey man, I don't want no trouble. You obviously are armed. I don't have access to my weapons. Um, you know, you wouldn't say that you don't have access to your weapons, but you'd just say, hey, no problem, man. Take my freaking vehicle. And you, you know, you know the kill switch will turn it off in a mile and they'll probably give up on it. And then you'll want to have like some things underneath the vehicle. Like, you know, maybe have one of your weapons under the vehicle. So when you do find it, you'll have easy access to that weapon. Another thing you might want under the vehicle is a second key hidden somewhere. Because if these people get your car and then it stops working in a mile, they'll, um, they'll abandon it. But they might take the key. You don't know. So have a second key hidden somewhere in, um, underneath the car. Maybe a third key. Have another key hidden just in case they, they do that. Then you go and you find your vehicle and, you know, they probably ransacked it, you know, unfortunately. But you can still get your vehicle and you can um, just turn the kill switch back to on and go driving off on your merry way. So I would suggest getting a, a kill switch installed. If you go to an independent mechanic, they'll understand what we're talking about here. So, um, you know, just just explain it that way, that you want a kill switch that doesn't kill the engine right away because you don't want the engine not to work and then they get mad, you know, and they're like, they, and they have weapons. You want it to, you know, let them drive off a half a mile or so and then you go get your vehicle. So 
a lot of mechanics subscribe to a lot of the belief systems that, that we espouse here on the End Times podcast, and they'll understand what you're talking about. All right, so get that done with your car. But first I want to dispel some cars that are overrated in the apocalypse because people aren't, aren't thinking. They aren't thinking. Like, they're thinking... Um, they're, they're thinking, like, you know, a lot of these zombie shows show people going around with cars, like full-fledged cars, and they're not worried about gas or anything like that. And really, gas goes bad in a year to three years. If you put some stabilizer in it, you might be able to get, like, three years or more, but it, it goes bad, first off. Second, getting the gas might be hard. You know, the gas stations run on electricity and you'd have to have some kind of um, pump and get the gas from the ground. And then there might be supply-demand issues. So gas will be a little bit at, at a premium. So I would rule out pickup trucks. And this is where I'm espousing, like, you know, giving up ideology. A lot of people who believe in a certain ideology their their team has pickup trucks and you know members of their team and pickup trucks are horrible with gas they're really not all that comfortable to like sleep in um they have an open back so if you put your stuff in the back it's gonna get stolen not good you know a lot of minuses with a pickup truck Plus, you know, you're spending 50, 60 grand on a pickup truck. That's less money that you're spending now on other things that could help you along a little bit better. I'd say any gas guzzler is a minus. It's just going to, you'll get, you know, maybe 200 miles and then you're out of gas. And then what? You know, then you don't have this thing anymore. Um, I, I'd rule out most gas guzzlers, but I do have a gas guzzler on my top five list, which I'll get to in a second. I'd say sports cars are a minus. The roads are going to be a mess. There's going to be stuff all over. There could be highwaymen, you know, with um, with uh, um, some kind of like, um, you know, strip that they pull across the road that flattens tires. It's going to be hard to maneuver around cars. You can't really, they're not good at getting out of the mud. If you're stuck in mud, they... Um, you know, they they don't have much room in them. You really can't sleep in them. They're not comfortable. Uh, I don't think you're going to have a scenario where you're on an open highway and you need to just floor it and get away from someone on an open highway. I think sports cars are a total waste. All right, so there's a big theory going around that uh, an EMP, an electromagnetic pulse, could take out cars. And it's theorized that various militaries have this ability, but of course nuclear weapons, if, um, if detonated above a city, also have that ability to put out a pulse. The theory is that um, newer cars, because they have computers and components that are computer-like, would overload because of this pulse and no longer work, as well as other electronics like your computers will no longer work you could see that where this would be a really good weapon for an enemy to um, dismantle everyone's computers and and their vehicles some theories hold out that cars made before the 70s might 
be might not be susceptible to the pulse and might still work. So they say if you have a classic car, that might be a um, might be a, an end around. But some people say, yeah, there's still some wiring in the older cars, and no car is necessarily foolproof unless you build a special garage called a Faraday cage, which who's going to build a Faraday cage? No one's going to do that. Some people theorize, hey, just keep all the, you know, keep extra components to your car. But who has that ability to determine, you know, to work on a car and to determine what components you need and, and to put them back into the car? And um, it seems like more work than it's worth. So you have to hope that whatever situation there is, there isn't an EMP and it doesn't work. Some people theorize that older diesel vehicles um, might be less susceptible to an EMP. And diesel might be interesting in that those cars can be um, easily converted to running on biodiesel, which you could maybe make in an apocalyptic scenario or even cooking oil or something of that nature. Um, there's, there's, you know, that theory that if this is a long extended end times scenario, if you have a diesel car, maybe you can make its own fuel, um, and it might be less susceptible to, to a pulse. Um, that said, it's, you're kind of asking a lot there. And when I think of older diesel vehicles, I'm thinking like older Volkswagens and they get really good mileage but they really weren't known for their longevity or durability or, or any of that speed, traction. So I didn't put any older diesel vehicles on my top five list, although I could see where someone might, someone might want to do that. Um, so those are the cars I didn't include. Um, and see if you agree with my mindset when I describe these five cars. Now, I also didn't include specialty cars. There are cars that, like, that they only made maybe, you know, a thousand of or, or limited edition cars that are supercars, and I didn't include those because those aren't practical. Because with end time scenario, we have to realize money right now before the end times is a factor. And are you going to spend $150,000 on a car? Uh, when you could be spending that on other things like a bunker or an escape house in the mountains, or you know, you could spend that 150000 much more wisely, I think, than on a vehicle. Hey, if you're a zillionaire, then it's a whole different ballgame. But most of us have to make choices. That's why I talk about dollar store stuff that might be useful in an apocalypse. All right, so. Um, Let's get into the top five list. All right, for number five, I debated a couple of cars, and I narrowed it down to the Subaru Outback. It gets 33 miles per gallon on the highway, and it has all-wheel drive, and it has an 18.5-gallon tank. So, you know, 33 miles to the gallon, 18.5, um... 600 miles, give or take, you know, a little under 600 miles you can get with this. Good. Uh, it'll help you in the mud. It's kind of a narrow 
ish car so you can get around broken down vehicles in the road um has good power has um has it's like a station wagon ish car so it has a lot of room in the trunk but you could also use it as a bed and has nice sized tires good all around package um you know, it has some color. It's usually they're like a, a lightish green, so they won't stand out. You can, you know, you can kind of park somewhere and you might not be readily visible. Um, I kind of like it. I think it's, you know, I know this car gets the tag as being a car for um, hipsters or, or um, women of a certain age or whatever. Um, but I think it's a pretty solid choice and you could use it as your daily driver too and that really seemed that out of the realm for me that beat out the prius the prius gets 53 miles to the gallon on the highway but it only has an 11.3 gallon tank so you're not really getting any further than you would with the outback but you have much less space it's pretty much a compact car and it um it has very little power um, poor traction, probably couldn't survive an accident. So the Subaru Outback to me is a much better choice at number five. All right, number four, I did pick a gas guzzler. I went with, um, the Hummer H3 Alpha, which they built from 2005 to 10. Now there are better hummers out there like the kind arnold schwarzenegger would have or something or the u.s military you can technically buy those but they're not common and they're wildly expensive so i wanted to get one that was somewhat more common and um it's rated uh i think number three on the list of hummers as far as like power and everything goes um it's not fast but it's it's great at off-roading it can um, traverse any train with ease, according to a phrase I got on the website, even in the hands of an inexperienced driver. So, hey, you're injured and you want, you know, your kid to drive, they could handle it. Um, it has luxury features. And, you know, it's big as a V8 engine. Can you know, can hold a lot of gas, so you can get, you can escape, just replenishing that gas down the road might be the hard part, but if you just want to get the frig out of town, get to your escape house in the Adirondacks, that might be the way to go, so Hummer H3 Alpha, um, 2005 to 10, I'd say you can find one for five grand at the low end maybe 10 grand on the high end if you look around all right so the hummer h3 is my number four pick number three pick all right so i went through a lot of cars on this list this is interesting i think an interesting phenomenon that's happened in our country for a while you remember cars would have a lot of cars had that little like 85 flex fuel logo on the back and then it fell out of vogue there hasn't been a car made in america with the flex fuel banner since 2016 
And the flex fuel, every now and then I'll go to a gas station that has like this 85 type fuel. And you think it's just 85 octane and so not to use it, but really that's not the case. Really it's 85% ethanol. So I think these cars are pretty good for an extended apocalypse. Um, I'll just pick the 2016 3.6 liter Dodge Journey. It has some power, it's a crossover SUV, so it can do a little off-roading. And um, 2016 was the year where they had some flex models. If you can't find this exact one, there's a Malibu, there's an Impala, there's other cars. Look for that little symbol on the back and they can handle flex fuel. So, you know, these cars are, are going to be out of vogue. Um, uh, maybe gas stations will stop selling the flex fuel down the road. I guess the price wasn't really that much better for the flex fuel. But in an apocalyptic scenario, the fact that these cars can handle 85% ethanol, they don't say 100% ethanol because ethanol doesn't do well in cold weather. So you need a more, um, a more serious, uh, you need a little gas in there. But, you know, you can make your own ethanol relatively easily. It comes from corn and such. And if you find some smart people and you have a little community, this could be a good car, you know, finding these, these ethanol-based cars. And then you only have to find 15% gas. You don't have to find 100% gas. You can just go around and find gas here or there, maybe develop a siphon. And, and so you don't need a lot of gas. All right, number two, I picked the Econoline van. It only gets 15 miles to the gallon, but these vans are ubiquitous, and there are um, lots of videos online on how to convert these into making them livable. So you could be like Uncle Rico in, um, in Napoleon Dynamite and live in your van, and uh, there's all kinds of like retrofits you can do for a, uh, a van to make them livable. And, you know, they're just kind of the right size. They're not too big. They're not like a big RV, but they aren't, um, you know, they aren't so small that you're cramped. So if you're going to live an extended period of time, a van seems about just the right size. And it doesn't have to be Econoline. There are other brands, but that's what I put for number two, an Econoline van. All right, so for number one, I thought a lot about this. And it's going to be, see, here's where mindset, if you are of a certain mindset, you might disagree with this, but I think I'm right. So number one car, the number one car for if you're going to survive any extended period of time in the end times, end of days, and let's say there was massive depopulation of the planet and you know the, the infrastructure is gone so there aren't you know people running sunokos all over the country there's no mobile mart anymore and you have to make do in this new new world order i'm picking the chevy bolt or substitute uh the nissan leaf 
Both of these cars, I think, are discontinued. And you can pick them up relatively inexpensively now. Um, I picked these over, you know, like, let's say, a Tesla or some of the more expensive models. I think BMW has one. Uh, because these are, are affordable and money is a factor. And yes, they don't have they don't have the power, they don't have the traction of the other cars on the list. But if your goal is long-term survival, you know, they're small, they can be quiet at night because they don't have an engine, so you don't really attract, especially if you turn off your lights, they're not going to attract, uh, you know, highwaymen or, or marauders or whatever, because you can kind of cruise along quietly with an electric car. Um... Most importantly, they are renewable, you know, so the energy level is renewable. Um, so you can use these for years until the battery no longer can hold a charge. And then maybe by then you will have found two or three other of such cars. Um, or maybe society starts to get back to normal and an infrastructure does come into place and fueled vehicles, you know, make a comeback. Because theoretically, you could even run a car on on coal. You could run a car on coal if you wanted to. The problem is it's loud and messy and dirty, and you wouldn't want 7 billion people on the planet running cars on coal. But if the Earth is reduced to a million people, a million people doing coal, that's not going to really harm the environment that much. So it's all size. Size is the issue. Chevy Bolt or Nissan Leaf, um, you could charge this with solar panels. There are solar panel arrays that lead to a standard plug and you could just get an extension cord and plug it into the solar panel arrays. Um, you need six panels, which is probably about the number of panels you get on a small garage one side of a small garage. And you can charge it up. Uh, they say it takes about 12 hours to charge it up. And with that, you can go, um, well, 100 kilometers, which I guess is about maybe 150 miles, 120 miles, 130 miles, if you charge it. So you could have that. You could have it on charge. Maybe if you have two of these, you could always have one charging while you drive the other. And hook it up to uh, some, you know, some panel display, some kind of um, some kind of solar panel, you know, array. Now, see, here's here's where people might say, oh, you know, that's just uh, that's what left wing people do. No, it's not left wing. It's not right wing. It's just smart. It's it's smart. You have this car now that you can use for years that is quiet and um, doesn't draw much attention. Uh, I don't know if you could do a kill switch on a Chevy Volt, but, you know, uh, maybe, or a Chevy Bolt. I guess there's two different cars. They called it the Volt and the Bolt at one point. But these cars aren't wildly uncommon. You know, let's say it's end-time scenario, and you go to some used car lot, and they have tons of cars of different stripes all over the place. I would take one of these five cars... But I wouldn't discount the I wouldn't discount the bolt or the leaf, and because then you find a solar array if you have your escape house somewhere where there's some sunlight, uh, 
you can have this car and, you know, occasionally go out on little trips and, you know, to get supplies or something. Go to some abandoned town and, you know, get some supplies from abandoned stores. And that could be a, a pretty good existence for you. So those are my top five cars of the apocalypse. So I hear you knocking. The premise is two people are knocking on your bunker door. You can only let in one. I go to a celebrity site and take the first two names and we debate whether or not um, to let in one or the other. And we have a Sophie's Choice and which one would we pick if they come in. Now, the reason why I pick celebrity sites is because celebrities are names we know and it makes it a lot easier to explain. Otherwise, I'd have to say, yeah, Joe the Barber or, um, you know, Phil the the banker, uh, which one would you pick? And you wouldn't know those two people. So if I name a celebrity, it creates a shortcut. And maybe there are people in our community like that celebrity. Well, the problem is today I went on two popular, um, two popular celebrity sites. And both of them had the same story. And it had nothing to do with people. I guess someone with their, um, with their cereal, their... Um, which brand of cereal was it? Um, let me see if I can find it. Uh, with their cereal, they um, there were shrimp tails and other stuff in the cereal. So that was the um, the story going around on these two sites. And the cereal is General Mills, um, and. It doesn't say what it is. They're like cinnamon toast crunch. Um, and they um, they ha they found shrimp tails and maybe worse stuff in their cereal box. So this is the big story on a couple of sites. So that's the big problem. Um, but so I had to go down to page two. And... Then I then some of the names were the same names we've done before, like Britney Spears and Prince Harry. So um, let me go down a little bit, you know, down a little bit more down the food chain. And then there's some dead people, and we wouldn't want dead people to come into our, uh, like Bobby Brown Jr., uh, dead people to come into our, our um, bunker. Um and then we have Demi Lovato and Dr. Laura Berman. So I don't know who Dr. Laura Berman is, but I do know who Demi Lovato is. And then we have Deshaun Watson. So let's do Demi Lovato and Deshaun Watson Um uh, okay, so Demi Lovato has been seeking press lately because she has something coming out. I think a concert movie or book or something. She's doing a round of press. And I saw her on some TV show. And I guess she did a round of press a few years ago saying how great she was. And she overcame eating disorders and whatever. And now she's doing some press saying, oh, yeah, that, that press tour I did a few years ago is bullshit. Um Really, I was just lying, and I have a lot of problems. But now I'm over these problems. So why should we believe her now? She has, like, this short haircut, and she looks angry. 
Um, and it says uh, she's had an addiction to finances, uh, lose control of finances and, and food. Um, she has food addiction. Uh, so I don't know. She has these problems that, like, w we would love to have her problems. Whenever I hear these celebrities have a problem, I'd love to have her problems. I'd love to have I'd love to have Demi Lovato's problems. Um, it just shows you like some people are just never happy. You know, there there could be someone who earns twenty million dollars a year throwing a football, but they're unhappy because um, someone earns thirty million a year throwing a basketball, and so that guy with the twenty million is is unhappy. They can never just be happy about it. They have to just look for drama. But all right, so she has some problems. Um, I, I'm guessing her age is late twenties and Deshaun Watson, who I guess is in his mid to late twenties. He's a quarterback for the Houston Texans and, um, allegedly he, um, exposed himself to some women. And, you know, what we're learning as a society is, is that, you know, we're seeing this with the, with the governor, Andrew Cuomo thing, um, just because some women might make sex easy for you, I'm sure like a Deshaun Watson or a, um, a Andrew Cuomo every now and then has some woman just slip him her phone number and say, hey, you know, whatever. Um, I'll do whatever you want. You know, every now and then they get that. And it makes them think like all women are like that. And it's just a short... It's shorthand in their mind. So we've lost like this decency where we would at least, before exposing um, our rude side or our bad sense of humor or whatever it is that these people are claiming that they have, um, Andrew Cuomo suddenly went from being someone who seemed like he was very smart to someone who seems like he's out of the movie Porky's. But people have to realize not everyone, even if you're a celebrity, likes your BS. So you can't just expose yourself allegedly and you can't just say, hey, honey, you know, um, hey, Tootsie Roll. You just can't do stuff like that. So now with these two people, you know, I'm talking about Cuomo and Watson. They both grew up with being stars. Um, Cuomo was the was the son of a famous governor who had presidential aspirations, and Watson, because he can play football, was probably always doted over. So they have like a warped sense of reality too, and they never had this comeuppance where it's like, oh, they got turned down for the prom, you know, or whatever the case is. Uh, they never had to have that kind of of comeuppance, and I think that kind of comeuppance is good for anyone. Anyway, these are the two people we have, these two broken people, Demi Lovato and Deshaun Watson, knocking on our door to the bunker, and we want in, we want in. And um, and I look around at my bunker mates, and I say, yeah, you know, Demi Lovato's out there. Demi Lovato, yeah, wasn't she on Disney Channel? Um, and, you know, um, oh, Deshaun Watson, oh, isn't he the quarterback for the always overrated Houston Texans, the team that always, like, seems like they're good, but then they get killed in the playoffs every single year, always overrated. 
Um, and, you know, those are the two people that that are trying to get in. And my initial inclination, if you don't have to let in, uh, I don't think either of these two are um, are stellar. Not, neither is a 10. But let's try to rate them on a 1 to 10 scale as far as uh, someone we'd want in our bunker. All right, Demi Lovato... Um, might be, you know, like all celebrities, I guess, a little bit narcissistic. And, you know, this isn't saying Deshaun Watson isn't narcissistic as well. A little bit narcissistic. She seems to use the press. I don't, I don't like that. Seems to whine um, about her problems when there are people in the world with much more serious problems. Um, likes to, you know... Likes to put herself out there. Likes to... Isn't really a problem solver, I wouldn't say, because she seems to keep having these problems and then bringing them up to the media. And now, a lot of this might not be true. She might just be trying to sell books or videos or whatever she's trying to sell. But, you know, we have to... We, have to, we don't know. We're inside a bunker, and we have to just use her public persona as... Um, as are, you know, what we, how we arbitrate whether or not to let her in. Um, seems like she's strong and um, agile. I guess she dances, average height and weight. Um, you know, I would assume she can be charming at times. Obviously, she has a following, so could be charming. Deshaun Watson probably could be charming, too. Obviously, on an athletic um, point of view, he would be a 10 just based on the athletics. He's a NFL quarterback. You can't, unless you're the kicker, I think you're going to be, you know, or like one of those 350-pound guys. Um, if all the other football players are probably a 10, I would think, in the NFL to get to that level. So he's he's a 10 athletically. He's a quarterback, so he's smarter than most football players. Um, you know, the the Me Too stuff is a little alarming. You know, but is you know maybe the apocalypse for him might reset his mindset. Maybe that is the comeuppance that would set him straight. Like, oh, wow, I had everything. I was earning tons of money, and I had a fancy car, and women would just slip me their phone number uh, for no reason. And now the apocalypse happened, and everyone I know is gone. And um, But meanwhile, I'm still six-foot-something and 200-something pounds of pure muscle. Uh, so, you know, will the apocalypse make him less creepy? I would think so. You know, I would think that would be a humbling experience for him. Um, because he's a football player, even though he's a quarterback, he's used to following the rules. He's used to, because that's what football really is. How many great athletes did you know who just couldn't follow the rules and they just ended up not becoming great athletes? Like not becoming, not going to college when they could have because they were, um, they were hard to deal with. They were untrainable. 
Well, here's someone who can kind of, you know, fall by the wayside. So if he's about to come into your bunker, you can say, hey, I'll let you in, but just know I'm in charge and you're here to serve us. You know, you're here. You're part of the team. We're all working together to survive here um, just so he doesn't become the alpha dog because it is your bunker. You paid for it. You're the one who had the foresight to get the cinder blocks and create this thing instead of building a nice swimming pool or buying, you know, a big uh, pickup truck or something like that. You said, I'm going to build a bunker. And now, hey, you're the king. It's, it's New World Order. And you have this bunker. You should get some benefit from that. You're the one who, you're the one who did it. It was your work. Why should an NFL player come in? So if you're insecure about yourself, I'd say Demi Lovato, or if you're in a situation where you have a bad mix of, you know, let's say it's all men in your bunker and you're just like, geez, this is like, this is going to be a boring apocalypse. Maybe we need some, um, you know, we need some variety and, and uh, diversity. Um, you know, then, then maybe Demi Lovato, but I'd say this is, I'd give her maybe a, a five and, Deshaun Watson, if he can get his ego in check, maybe a seven. So I think we have to go with Deshaun. Uh, I think he wins 55 to 45. And uh, Deshaun Watson is now your new bunker mate. So welcome aboard, Deshaun Watson. And please don't expose yourself. We have children in this bunker. Um, please don't expose yourself. We don't want to see that. It's too much. It's bad. We don't want to see it. We're trying to live a new life. We're trying to um, be good and ethical and courteous people because all we have are our ethics and our courteousness and our um, our niceness in this new new paradigm, this new life. So um, please abide, and uh, and then you know he becomes our best one of our best hunters and our best. Um, you know, defenders of the of the bunker when when uh, bad you know bad gangs start to come by. All right, so I'll close out this podcast. Thank you for listening, and it's been a pleasure. Get these every Wednesday. You can go to endtimespodcast.com. and um, and thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. Oh